Well, hello, everybody. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Only a week away. Oh, my goodness. My name is Luke. I'm an apprentice pastor here, and I get the joy of being able to preach this morning and share some good news. So why don't you join me as I pray, and then we will get into this message together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for your incredible love for us. Thank you for the gift that it was to hear these kids singing, sharing the good news of Jesus coming to the world. God, we are so grateful for you. We're so thankful for all that you've done for us, just for who you are. Lord, I pray that you'd speak through me. I pray that you would empower me, that my word to be yours, and that, God, you would speak what every single person needs to hear. I pray that you would just speak so clearly into their hearts, Lord God. Only what you know they need to hear. I pray that you would do that this morning. Open our eyes to see you and to know you. We love you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Psalm 72. It is an Advent psalm. And a couple weeks ago, actually, if you guys have been listening to the Seasons podcast, how many of you have been listening to the Seasons podcast? Oh, a good amount of people. That's awesome. So if you listen to the one I did last Saturday, Jordan does most of them. I've done a couple of Saturday ones. This is based off of that one. So you've kind of already heard the sermon, but please stay focused, stay engaged. It'll be worth your while, I'm sure. So Psalm 72, verses 1 to 7. Let's read it together. I don't have my clicker yet, so Vern, if you're able to follow me, that would be awesome. Yeah. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people. Give deliverance to the children of the needy and crush the oppressor. May they fear you while the sun endures and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days, may the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. And then verses 18 and 19 says this, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. That is the passage that we are going to be looking at together today. <clears throat> so Psalm 72 is written by King David and is written for his son Solomon. So Solomon next in line to the throne. He came and he reigned for 40 or 50 years, I believe. And then at the end of his life, though, the kingdom that he reigned over was just in disarray. It was in chaos. It wasn't like none of these promises that we just read, none of these promises stayed true. None of these promises were truly fulfilled in Solomon. Solomon, just at the end of his time, it was, it was chaos. His reign was, was chaotic, and his kingdom fell apart. And this is something that we can relate to. The kingdoms of this world, if you like, 
the governments of this world, they're just, they fall apart. They are, they promise much. They offer much. They say this is the solution to our problems, all the injustice, all the evil, everything, all the chaos. This is a solution. This type of kingdom, this type of leader, this type of king or queen. But every single time, they fall short. Every single time, they are not what they said that they would be. Every single time, it ends in chaos. And we know this even in our amazing, amazing country. We know that our governments, they say one thing and they do other things. And they do amazing work, of course. And we have some people who work in the government here and they do amazing things. But as they would say, we're just all imperfect people. We can't bring about a really good kingdom. The kingdoms of this world, just like Solomon's, they can fall. They're unreliable. They're shaky. They don't have a foundation that is solid. And so every single election, it seems like we're just like, this is the guy. If this guy or girl gets elected in, this is it. This, everything's going to be okay. We're going to be good. And every single time it feels like we just end feeling like, ah, disappointed. We know that, that these governments, these kingdoms of this world are not what the world should be. We know that there's better. We know that there is. There's ha- there has to be a good kingdom out there. Why is there injustice? Why is there evil? Why is there chaos? There has to be something better. And we see that injustice and that evil inside of ourselves. I see it inside of myself. If I look just for, I thought about it this morning, as I take 10 seconds to think about my heart, to think about my attitude, think about my motives, I can come up with a very quick list of all the ways that I add evil and injustice and pain into the world. I know all of us can. I can look at my heart and just go, I can be so selfish, impatient, prideful, judgmental. I, could, I just like, as I, was, as I was doing this, it was like, I could honestly, I had to stop myself because then I would get embarrassed the amount of terrible things that I feel like I do on a regular basis. But I think we're all in the same boat here. We all know that we're broken We all know that we're imperfect. We all know that there are things in our lives that we want to get rid of. We all know that there is, that we're capable of evil. We know that there is bad within us. We look at our sins. We look at our brokenness. We look at this world, our kingdoms, and we just go, like, what what are we supposed to do? As I was preparing this, I'm just thinking, like, this world has so little to offer me has so little hope to offer us we look and again and again the people we think we can rely on the figures the leaders the kings and queens they fail us we look at our friends and our families and we know that we love them but they're imperfect and we fail each other do we have any hope because when I look out into the world I just don't see any hope but the point of this sermon is that there is hope. The point of this sermon is that there is overwhelming hope. There's overwhelming peace. There's an overwhelmingly good kingdom available to us. And the king of that kingdom, is, his name is Jesus. 
And peace comes from Him. He is the Savior. He is the Redeemer. He is the hope for the nations. The hope of the world. Everything that the world promises but cannot fulfill, He fulfills. Everything that the world says they can give you, Jesus can actually give you. He is the peace. He is the the light of the world. And He is our hope. And so when we look out and we feel discouraged and we feel hopeless and we see the problems of this world just seemingly just racking up, getting more and more, we can know that there is a hope. And His name is Jesus. And only He can bring about a good kingdom. Only He can bring about justice instead of injustice. Peace instead of chaos. Goodness instead of evil. Healing instead of pain and brokenness. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. King Jesus. And so He is the King that we need. And in this psalm, the psalm that Solomon, we find that none of the promises are fulfilled, David is looking past Solomon. He writes this for Solomon, but he's also looking past him and saying, this is about Jesus. And this is about the, the kingdom that Jesus will bring to this world. This is the good kingdom. And so in this Advent season, we look to Jesus. We look past all the things that the world can offer us. We look past everything that, that is just broken within ourselves. And we look to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And we put our hope in Him. And we look to His kingdom. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. Psalm 72. We're going to work our way through it. What does Jesus' kingdom look like? What are the attributes of His kingdom? And again, if you listen to the podcast, you have already know that there are five attributes that we can see from these first seven, uh, seven verses. At least five. So, let's look at it together. You guys still with me? Yeah. Awesome. I'm so proud of you guys for coming. Honest, when we, I started, I was sitting there, service started, I'm like, I'm going to be preaching to 50 people. And that's not, that, you know, that is not a bad thing. 50 faithful people coming, that is a worthwhile preach. Even if one person comes, it's worth it to preach. But then the kids came, and it was like, everybody came. I was like, oh, great, I get to tail on the back of the kids. You know, everybody loves the kids. Anyway, you're stuck with me now. Psalm 72. Number one, Jesus' kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness. In verse two, it says, May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. So this can mean two things. The first is his dealing with injustice. This verse actually points to another verse in Isaiah, Isaiah 11, 3 to 4, where it says, um, And shall make him of quick understanding. This is talking about Jesus. Make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, nor reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor, and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. Jesus doesn't judge based on appearance. He doesn't judge based on power or success. That creates injustice. And we know in this world, the injustice we see when people get treated unfairly, when the poor and those in need get overlooked, 
And when those in power get lifted up and seemingly above the law sometimes, there is injustice. And we know it more and more and more. But Jesus says that he will reign with justice. He will reign with righteousness. He will judge people based on our hearts. Not on the outside appearance, not on what we do. He will judge us based on our hearts. Where is our heart at? So he judges with righteousness and justice because he himself is righteous and just. And he promises that when he returns, he will make all things new. He will right every wrong. He will wipe away every tear caused by injustice. He will say that he will judge with righteousness. He's not going to judge after the sight of his eyes. He's not going to care if you look the part. It's going to judge our hearts. But I said at the beginning that our hearts are actually full of evil. Our hearts are full of brokenness. So how does Jesus judge us rightly? Well, if we, what we deserve is his righteous judgment. We deserve for our sins, we deserve the punishment of death. That's what we deserve. But Jesus his kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness. And that also means that he makes the righteous, that he makes the unrighteous to be righteous. He makes the unrighteous to be righteous. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin, Jesus, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of of God. So you and me, we went from we can go from unrighteous, sinful, broken people. We've done wrong against God, we've done wrong against each other. We go from unrighteous. But when we believe in Jesus, when we know that he died on the cross in our place for our punishment, for the punishment we deserved, the death we deserve to die, when we believe that he did that for us, for me, I get to take on his righteousness, his perfection, his, his justice, his heart. God looks at me and sees Jesus because Jesus traded places with me. And it doesn't make any sense, and it's not, if we really think about it, like, I don't deserve that. But Jesus' kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. It's a kingdom where the unrighteous can be made righteous. It doesn't matter how many good works I do, I can't make myself righteous. Only by the blood of Jesus on the cross can I be forgiven. Can I be given a new heart? Can I be made righteous? And that is available to everyone. He is our Savior King, our Redeemer. He's our righteousness. This is good news. His kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness. Secondly, Jesus' kingdom is a kingdom of peace. So verse 3 says, Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. That word prosperity can be translated as peace. Jesus is the prince of peace. I think we all long for peace, don't we? We look in this world, we see the chaos. We see the chaos within ourselves, we feel it, and we long for peace. We long for just that feeling of, I can take a deep breath, I can rest. 
peace in my heart. And Jesus says that he himself is our peace. He is our peace between us and God. That righteousness that we get. He's our peace. And he's our peace within our own souls. This summer, uh, I had just some crazy life events happen. And I was in a time of just, I was really wrestling. I was really wrestling. Because terrible things were happening to people I loved. And I didn't understand why. And I just sat on the couch. I woke up at 6 or 7 in the morning on a day off. And I was just like, I sat on the couch. And I came before the Lord. And my mind is just going a million miles an hour. I'm just, I'm, I'm doubting. I'm, I'm feeling afraid. I don't know what's happening. The people I love are being hurt. And I don't understand why. My heart's pounding. And I come before the Lord, and I just, I'm bawling my eyes out. <laughs> I'm just crying. And I'm asking him all of my questions. I'm like, God, why are you letting this happen? Why, is, why are terrible things happening to these people? Why is this happening? If you have the power to stop it, why aren't you stopping it? And there is this incredible feeling of peace. About an hour of me bawling on the couch, just feeling like a mess. There was this peace that just washed over me. And what was very interesting, I had never felt this way before, none of my questions were answered. <laughs> Not a single one of them. But Jesus was with me. And I knew that if he was with me, I could trust him, and everything was going to be okay. And that peace flooded my soul, and it was unlike anything I've ever experienced. <clears throat> and that peace is available to us in the chaos of this world, in the brokenness that we feel. That peace is available to us. Luke, stop crying. Luke, come on, be serious. This is serious stuff. No, it's good. It's good to feel our emotions, and it's good to recognize that in these moments of just feeling broken and feeling weak, we get to come before a God who loves us. We get to come before God who takes us into his arms and says, I will be your peace. I will be your peace. I'm with you. Okay, I'm sorry. Not, well, sorry, not sorry. He will be our peace. So his kingdom is a kingdom of peace. I had this really good Advent calendar joke I was going to start with this sermon. Um, no, but no kids are here, so I feel like that would have been a good way to... Anyway, that would have lightened, lightened my, my mood a little bit. <laughs> okay, got to keep going, sorry. Number three, Jesus' kingdom is a kingdom of care. Verse four, may he defend the cause of the poor, the people, and give deliverance to the children of the needy. Jesus, when he, was on the, when he was on this earth, he cared for the poor. He spent so much time with the outcasts of society. Spent time with prostitutes. He spent time with tax collectors who were hated. He spent time with people who had no money. And he loved them. 
And he lifted them up. And in this upside down kingdom, that's what Jesus does. That's what he calls us to do. He says, yes, obviously love every single person. But take care of the poor. Take care of those in need. Take care of those who can't fight for themselves and who can't care for themselves. Volunteer places where, like hands in service, where they provide meals for people who can't make food for themselves. Take care of the poor. Jesus' kingdom is this kind of kingdom where he doesn't overlook the poor. He doesn't overlook the needs of those who are so in need. He doesn't overlook anybody. But he really looks on the poor and the broken and the weak and those in need. So his kingdom is a kingdom of care where he defends the cause of the poor and he calls us to do the same. He calls us to do the same. He said in Luke 6, 20, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. James 1.27 says, Religion that is pure and undefiled is this, visiting the orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And then it says in Luke 14, But when you give a banquet, when you throw a party, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So Jesus wants the lowest of the low to be cared for, to be loved, to be taken care of. And that's our responsibility. He will do this, and he will use us to do it. His kingdom is a kingdom of care. Number four, Jesus' kingdom is a kingdom of victory. It says, may, verse It's actually verse 4 as well. It says, May he crush the oppressor. In this world, we have an enemy. We see it in the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 3. When the serpent comes and he deceives Adam and Eve, and he he convinces them to become their own gods, convinces them to, to do things their own way, to trust themselves instead of trusting in the Lord God. And from that moment when sin entered the world, they disobeyed God. That relationship between us and God is broken. Right after that moment, God says to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And then he says this, He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So this is God, right at the beginning of humanity, promising to defeat the enemy of our souls. Promising to defeat and crush the one who tries to take our peace, tries to accuse us, tries to condemn us in our sin, tries to lie and plant lies in our head that take us away from God, take us away from the people we love, take us away from our relationships. He says that, that I will crush him. I will crush your oppressor. And this is what Jesus did on the cross, right? This is what he did when he died on the cross and he rose from the grave. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Jesus beat the power of death and sin and hell and the enemy forever through his life, through his death, through his resurrection. 
So his kingdom is a kingdom of victory because no longer can the enemy accuse us of our sin. No longer can he condemn us in our sin. We get to say, no, I'm forgiven. In Jesus, I am made clean. I am made whole in him. You do not have power over me anymore. And that temptation to sin that we face by Jesus' spirit in us, we can overcome our temptation. We can be made more and more like Christ, being renewed by the transforming of our mind. We get to become more like Jesus, less like ourselves, and the enemy has less and less and less power over us. Jesus' kingdom is a kingdom of victory. And one day, he will defeat the enemy once and for all. He's already beaten, but he will end the war, and there will be goodness and justice and peace forevermore. His kingdom is a kingdom of victory. And number five, last one, Jesus' kingdom is a kingdom of life. It says flourishing there, but I changed it to life this morning. Verse six and seven say, May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth, In his days, may the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. This kingdom that Jesus brings to the world is a kingdom of life. It says in Psalm 1611, For you make known to me the path of life. Jesus came that we may have life and have it abundantly. John says in his his book, in the gospel it says, these things are written so that you may have life in his name. Life is what Jesus came to bring. He came to bring us out of our death. When we were dead in our sins, dead in our trespasses, he came to bring us out of that and into life. And life abundantly. By his spirit coming like living water into our souls. He quenches our thirst He satisfies us. He fulfills the purpose of why you woke up this morning, why you have breath in your lungs. It's so that you may have life to the full in his name. Jesus came so that we may have life. His kingdom is a kingdom of life. This kingdom is the good kingdom. This kingdom is better than any other kingdom you could ever find. Any kingdom that's promised in the world will will fall so far short of this glorious kingdom. When you think this week and you're thinking of this, you're thinking of this good king that Jesus brings, you'll suddenly have your eyes opened to just how good this kingdom is. You'll have your eyes open to just how good Jesus is. Just how incredible he is. Just how lovely and beautiful he is. Because all of a sudden, when we look at Jesus, like the beautiful hymn says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. His kingdom reigns and he reigns. And his kingdom, when you look at the kingdoms of this world and what they offer, and you look at the kingdom that Jesus brings and what he offers, 
It's no comparison. This kingdom, this is the kingdom worth living in. And this is the kingdom that we get to live in as his followers. When we choose that and decide that he will be our king, we're saying, Jesus, I lay my life down for you. And whether you've been a Christian for a long time or you're not a Christian, when you make that decision, you're saying every single day, I'm going to take up my cross. I'm going to lay my life down for you, Jesus. Every single day I make that decision that I don't know best. You know best. I don't know what to do all the time. You do. I don't know what is the best way for me to live. You do. I don't know what you're calling me to, but I'm going to listen. I'm going to obey. I'm going to follow. So this kingdom, this good kingdom, we get to live in it when we follow Jesus. Because he's real and he's alive and his kingdom is here. So this week, what do we do now? Firstly, we follow Jesus as our king, like I just said. We deny ourselves, we take up our cross, and we choose to say that we don't know best, he does. We follow him. And practically, this week, We follow him by reading his word, by asking his spirit to lead us and to guide us, and just by opening our hearts and our lives to him and saying, God, here I am. Send me. Use me for your glory. Pray for opportunities to share the good news of the kingdom. Almost every single time that I pray for an opportunity to bless somebody, to share the good news, God gives me an opportunity. So I know it will be the same with you. I know that all of us have people in our lives that we, can, that we can talk with. As we follow Jesus, pray for opportunities to share the good news. And this is secondly what we do. We share the good news of this kingdom with others. Jesus went about proclaiming the gospel. The gospel of the, the good news of the kingdom of heaven come to earth. The good news that everybody's longing for. Jesus came proclaiming that the kingdom of heaven is here. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And it's still coming. More and more and more like a mustard seed. That beautiful parable. Where Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. This tiny seed. And when it starts it's very, very small. But by the end of it it just takes over. And everybody, all the birds come and live in its shade. This is the kingdom. It's growing more and more, and we get to share it with people. As we share it, it'll come more and more. As we say, look at how good Jesus is. Look at how he's changed my life. Look at the peace he's given me in my worst moments. Look at the love that he has for me, that he died for me. So I could be forgiven. This is available for you. That longing you have in your souls, this is available for you. Just believe and follow. That's the good news we get to share. The kingdom of victory, the kingdom of life, the kingdom of peace. This is what we get to share with people. I know you might be thinking that maybe you need to have all the answers to the big theological questions before you share 
the good news with somebody. Because that's what I think all the time. I'm like, even, even though I work in a church, I feel like I just don't know. If somebody asks me a question about certain things, i be like, I have to go research it and come back to you. But that's okay. Jesus doesn't say, know all the answers, and then go and proclaim the good news. He says, proclaim the good news. If you just share with somebody how Jesus has changed your life, that person will be touched by that. Because you're being authentic. You're being genuine. They'll see in your eyes and they'll see in your smile and your tears probably, like me, that he's come and he's really impacted you. And they might go, I need that. I really need that. So you start that conversation. And maybe if you need to be reminded of all that Jesus has done for you, you take a moment this week. Tomorrow morning, you take a moment. You journal, Jesus, what have you done for me? And you just start writing. Ask him. I've forgiven you of all of your sins. I've created you. I knit you together in your mother's womb. I've called you. I've placed you where you are. I've given you your family. I've given you breath in your lungs this morning. You just start writing down all the things Jesus has done for you. You'll be very quickly encouraged and enthusiastic to go and share the good news with people. So we go and we share the good news. And we ask for opportunities to do this. And thirdly, I think most importantly, we pray for the kingdom of God to come on earth as it is in heaven. We can plant the seed, but only God gives the growth. We can plant the seeds, but God gives the increase. So we pray. We pray that he and his kingdom would come. We pray that those who do not believe would believe and come to know the good news of Jesus. That sin can be forgiven. That lives can be turned around. That peace can come in the worst and hardest moments. This Jesus is better than you could ever imagine. Better than I could ever imagine. So we pray for his kingdom to come. We pray for more and more people. Our loved ones. Our family. Our friends. Our co-workers. Our city. We pray for us all to know him. For them to know him. And so this morning, if you do not know Jesus yet, I implore you to just consider Jesus. Consider the things I'm saying. Consider the things that his word says. That he is the one who made you. That he is your peace. That in him you live and move and have your being. That you have breath in your lungs this morning because Jesus gave you breath. I encourage you to just consider Jesus as to be your king, to be your savior, to be the one to redeem your life and to redeem this world. This kingdom is a good kingdom. Why don't we pray? Just close your eyes and bow your heads. And I want to give an opportunity for anybody who doesn't believe in Jesus, or who, but who wants to, who wants to follow Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity to respond and for me to just pray over you. And then after the service, if you raise your hand, you can come and 
talk to me or talk to Phil. And we would love to just pray for you and bless you and help you in your next steps. So is there anybody here who wants to make a decision to follow Jesus, for Jesus to be the king of their lives? And if you do, can you just raise your hand? Nobody's looking. Everybody's eyes are closed. this week. Empower us to share this.